Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. And so today we're going to talk about um, a guy in the Gospels named Philip. And so uh, there's not a lot about him in the Gospels, but uh, I just want to share a little bit this morning about him and I see maybe it ties in with, with our lives a little bit. But uh, we'll read uh, from different places, mostly from John. John gives the majority of the accounts of what Philip in his interaction. If you remember, Philip said this um, when we first started the series, uh, Nathaniel Bartholomew is what I, I believe he's the same person, but in, in your scriptures. But Philip is the one that went to get him. You remember, he's the one that went after him. He's like a little... Now, just when you're reading, though, in the Gospel of John, just understand Philip, the apostle, is more than likely, most people agree, he's different than Philip, the evangelist, in Acts. So, I always say this, but when you read your Bible, consider this, um, that you have uh, many people with the same name in the Bible, just like you have many people with the same name in your, in your neighborhood, right? I mean, there, how many people do you know named Dan or, or Jim or whatever? I mean, there's common names. And in the Bible, uh, these are very common names. And the population wasn't that great. So, uh, you know, when you see Judas, it's not always the one that betrayed him. There's other people named Judas. And it's not always the bad name. It's, uh, if you see other people named Jesus, that was, you know, he had a very common name. Very common thing. So anyway, this one's say when you're reading. So Philip and John, um, if you want to turn there, uh, this is the... One of the first little accounts of Philip, John 1, 43. And let's read this to you briefly, and then we'll go on. Uh, it says, The next day he purposed to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. This is Jesus. He found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, and I say that only because so you understand where this is near. If you go in the Galilee area, this is near there. But Bethsaida is um, its actually called the house of fishing, if you want to call it that. It's a very much a fishing Area. If you lived around the Sea of Galilee, this was a, it's hard to relate because I know we don't have that kind of industry now. It's, it's really difficult for us sometimes to relate to things in the Bible, it, culturally, isn't it? I mean, you, it, it just is. We don't have a fishing culture. We fish for sport. I mean, you live in Maine, that's probably different. You live in Maine, you're on the deadliest catch. That's a, <laughs> that's your job, right? But here, if you're fishing here and you tell me you're doing it for a living, man, I need to talk to you because like, you got a cush job. I don't know what, how you got that, but, I don't know if you YouTube and you know spinner baits or what, but like that's that's interesting. If you're making a living fishing, that'd be great. But these guys, they did it for for their job. It says now Philip was from Bethsaida or the house of fishing, and uh, means like fishing port around that area, and um, of the city of Andrew and Peter. So now you understand why they were so close. These guys all probably knew each other in some way or another, but you know Andrew and, and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found the one in whom Moses and the law and the prophets also wrote, <coughs> Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. <clears throat> so Jesus found Philip. Philip went to get Nathanael. Now, he, he is a very interesting guy. There's not a lot to write about him, but it seems like he had a closer relationship with Jesus than some of the other 12. Now, if you want to file and rank them, like it seems like we sometimes kind of do, it, it seems as if some of them had a much closer, Jesus had like a, a closer group, then another circle, and then maybe his whole disciple, the 12. And then he had maybe a little bit bigger ring, and then the crowds. you know. And he didn't share everything with the crowds that he shared with his disciples. And the things that he shared with the closer-knit group were much more intimate and private. There were things he shared with them he didn't share with some of the others in the, in the, in the 12 even. And I think Philip was probably in some of that close group. And I, the only reason I say this is because of, of what I read. But... um. 
when you read in the synoptic gospels, uh, he's listed, if you look at Philip, he's listed fifth every time. Every time. You may say, well, that doesn't mean anything, has no significance. Ah, I would say maybe it does. Um, you know, Peter's always listed one of the first ones. But it's weird, he comes in fifth every time. And he had an understanding with the Lord I think was interesting, and, and we'll share more about that in a moment. But again, um, he's most remembered, though, when Jesus fed the crowd in his own hometown. And so, I don't know if you've ever forgotten anything. Uh, I know this is Memorial Day, and I didn't really do this for that reason to tie that together. But um, it is important that we remember. You have to make yourself remember what's in the past. Like, I don't know if you noticed that, but it doesn't just happen. Unless you're around places. Isn't it funny how you can go this weekend... And I bet you, you get around something and if you'll have a certain smell, like if you get around and someone's grilling hot dogs, you may not be grilling hot dogs, but you smell it and it takes you back to a moment. It's the weirdest thing, man. I can steal, uh, of all the memories I have, of all the things I can tell you, I can still remember if I go to the fair, which, you know, full disclosure, uh, I might go, but... Um, I think I went riding those rides a while back. I mean, you know, the more I kept looking at the guys putting them together, I thought, you know, I love you in Jesus' name, but I'm not sure I need you putting this stuff together and me riding the zipper anymore. <laughs> Is it okay to get on? Yeah, it's on. Are you certified? Well, it's a certification. Yeah. Anyway, so, but every time I would go, there is this smell um, at the fairgrounds. Like, you go to the, the snack areas, you know, where they're doing those funnel cakes and candy apples and all that kind of stuff, right? Every single time, my granddad used to volunteer uh, with the Exchange Club. This is going years back. I sat until all those, you know, you guys would come in in droves. It used to be the big thing in town. I mean, it would take forever. I was sitting in the ticket booth with him while they are waiting to do tickets. I'm sitting in there waiting. Like, while well, all you guys come in complaining about your parking, you understand, I was sitting in the ticket booth waiting for all you. Like, could we just get out of here? Every time I go to the fair, <clears throat> that's the first thing I remember. It's the weirdest thing. Why? I don't know. I remember sitting in the ticket booth waiting. I just couldn't wait to get on a ride. You know, I didn't know about the weirdos that were putting there, the, the rides back then. I didn't think much about it. Just thought it was fun. But why does it like that? I don't know. Smells do that. A song will do that. You know, like you'll be... I know we don't do the radio anymore. I guess it's, you know, whatever, kill the radio. And anyway, but if you hear a certain song, isn't it true that it just takes you back? And if you're not old enough, it might not do that just yet, but eventually it will happen to you and memories are triggered. But if you really have to, if you want to try to remember something, you have to go back and figure it out. Think on things, dwell on things. And that's why uh, I was listening the other day, uh, as far as memories are concerned, um, while we forget things is typically because we're distracted. You know, when you forget to do something, it's typically because you got your mind on something else. You ever heard somebody say, well, your mind's on too many things or whatever, and you forget. I was listening to this podcast, so my, my oldest daughter, she, she kind of likes these Business Wars podcasts. We, we kind of compare. We listen to different ones. I'm listening to this one now. She listens to this one. So Business Wars, is, they compare like companies or organizations, get like Pepsi versus Coke. How, you know, the challenges they did, it's kind of interesting to us. We just kind of listen to it. Her, her latest one she listed was Taylor Swift versus Scooter, whatever, that tried to steal the girl's songs. And, you know, I listened to it and I thought, you don't feel so bad for Taylor. Um, that girl's charging a thousand bucks a ticket to get to her show. 
And uh, she's made a couple of gazillion dollars. I, I mean, I, I could care less. I mean, I really, I, it's, you know, first world problems. I really don't, I have much, very little. She should have her songs, whatever. But I listened to I told Ava, I said, ah, you know, listen to this one. You know, so I started telling her, I was the one about Pixar. And so this is before Pixar became a part of Disney. And they became owners of it, I guess you'd say. They first got started, they were making this movie called Toy Story. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but um, pretty much all of you, right? So Toy Story was coming out. It was very difficult to make. It was a success, and they were going um, to, to take off. But before that happened, it wasn't going great. It was actually falling apart. Like, it almost didn't make it. They almost made Woody, you know, the cowboy hero. They almost made him this antagonistic, like, jerk like this weird, like complaining jerk. He complained in the movie. He's, you know, really bad. They had to switch everything, remade half of the movie in less than like, I think 180 days. Really hard stuff to do. But in the middle of all this, as they were making these movies over a period of time, they got so overwhelmed as a team in creating content. It was so many hours. They were working 80, 90 hours a week. That's not healthy. And this individual comes to work one day. Uh, he's pulling in his wife. They both work at the same organization. Um, he's picking up his kid, uh, takes his kid to daycare, and they both show up to work at Pixar. They're there working. They get started. And around break, maybe around lunch break, whatever, then a couple of hours, and this is in uh, California, mind you, the wife comes up to the husband and says, well, hon, how was, uh, how was daycare today? He drops his coffee, everything, and runs to the parking lot. And it's a bait. It's a little tyke. He had forgotten he had his baby in his car. They get out there. They got paramedics and all. The baby was okay. Thank God. It wasn't like if, in Georgia that, you know, that probably different scenario. But where they were... They wrote it, got fluids in the baby, everything's fine. But they, after that, they changed everything. They said, this is not, we're, this is wrong. They changed the whole concept of how they work because they were saying it's so unhealthy, they can't even remember to take the kid to childcare. Now, if you've ever <laughs> forgotten your kid, that's one thing. I think all of us have probably forgotten something with our kids, you know, like, oh, I forgot to pick them up from school. A little different. Oh, I forgot to take them to practice. That's a little bit different. But it's because we get preoccupied with things. That's a pretty big deal, what happened there. And they all realized it. It's easy to forget things. It happens to all of us. And it's so easy to do. But it's because we're preoccupied and have so many distractions in life. And so with Philip, this was an interesting thing. I think probably, I'm, only, I'm putting pieces together here. So just give me some, just give me a little bit of, just a little bit, give, let me get a little bit of grace here, okay? I'm trying to tie some pieces together as to why. Some of the disciples or some of the people that they encountered Jesus, why did they respond to the way they did? Like, why did some respond this way and others responded that way? And Philip, when Jesus, they fed the, the, the multitudes here, it's interesting what he asks and why. And I think maybe it could be because the demands on Jesus and the ministry and the things they were engaged got so busy that he may have forgotten some of the basics of who Jesus was. And so I'm going to read this to you. This is out of John, John chapter 6 and verse 1. And let's see if this is what you think. Maybe you don't. It's okay, but um, it's really hard to determine exactly, but we're going to read it. John 6 and verse 1. 
It says, after these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. This is the same area in the region that they're all in there. And the Sea of Galilee, when it says this, it's a lake, but it's a, it's a big, it's a massive body of water. <laughs> it says, a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And then Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. <clears throat> Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so these may eat? Now, he could have mentioned this to any other disciple on the hill. He chose Philip. Again, remember, he's in Philip's region. But it's also Andrew's region, Peter's region. He could ask anybody. He, on purpose, chose Philip. So this was, he was saying to test him. Now, now here's your, this would sum it all up right here. But he did this to test him. But I'm coming at it from Philip's point of view, not Jesus' point of view. Like Jesus, is te- he wants to figure out some stuff with Philip, but I'm coming at it from why did Philip respond the way he did, okay? So Philip said to him, <clears throat> 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, which is, a, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of bread, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here, that's a little boy, who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? And so Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was, so much, there was much grass on the place. I guess they want you to know that, you know, John, I guess the people were comfortable. I, I, said, I, I don't know why John put that in there. What, what? He wanted to know that they had comfy seats. I don't know. It's like, it's just kind of interesting. Anyway, <clears throat> so they sat them down and the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now you understand culturally they would just, they would have said men, but in context, you understand there would be men, women, and children there. More than likely, this could have been a crowd of 15,000. Easy. This was not just 5,000 people. All right, so as they're sitting down, he took the, the loaves, and having given thanks, just like when Gary did communion a while ago, same process. You'll see this kind of woven throughout. This is why Jesus, or why the scriptures give you so much in, uh, illustrations of bread and wine. It's woven all through it from Revelation all the way back to Genesis. It starts even in the beginning. Bread and wine is consistently throughout the scriptures. But he gives thanks just like what Gary was doing a moment ago. And, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also of the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Get, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and he filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over <clears throat> by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him a king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, there's a whole, in verse 14 and 15, um, there's a whole message right there that don't have time to get into. But just to really quickly look at that. Jesus works a miracle, and people are so consumed by the miracle and the sign that they want to make him a king. This is why you've got to be careful what you follow. Like, it is the, the term of the century, I guess, right now, is these influencers. And I tell my kids all the time, they're not influencers. They're making money. If you don't understand the algorithms of what's going on with your social media and internet, ask anybody who codes. 
But you think, I tell my kids, you think those videos are like, oh, they're super real and important. I mean, my oldest son, she she don't care if I tell you this, but it it was kind of funny. There's these things now, you ladies have these, I don't know if anybody has one in here. It's called a, uh, it's a, it's not like a hair clip. It's a, like, looks like a, like a Venus flytrap on the back of your head. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I guess it's, if you got a lot of hair, that thing is designed to just raw at one time. So she tells me, Dad, did you hear what's happening? With what? The cl- what is it called, Haley? Claws? Claw clamp. That's it, claw clamp. It's, it's, I mean, it sounds kind of, it, it sounds pretty extreme, don't it? Like, I don't want to put that in the back of my head. Dad, there's, there's people having wrecks, and when they have the wrecks, this thing is running through the back of their heads. Now, Mom, now I'm going to tell y'all, this is what I told her. How many people do you know, personally, that's had that Venus flytrap hit them in the back of the head and go through their skull? She goes, none. none. I don't know, Deb, it's on the internet. Uh huh. And so how many people do you know like a friend of a friend that's had this happen. Well, none, Dad, but it's... All right. How about this? How many people do you know that is a friend of a friend of a friend that has known somebody anywhere around your existence that this has happened to? Well, none. Uh-huh. Don't you think that they probably just did that? I mean, I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but I'm just saying, I, in retrospect to what we deal with in a car... How many times have you almost been hit by a deer in Rome, Georgia? Like if you drive by Berry College, your percentage goes up dramatically. If you drive down technology at night, you need a brush guard. Because I don't know how many times I've almost hit a deer. Like why aren't those on YouTube? No, it's, it's alligator clamps or whatever they call. Going through the back of little girls' heads and coming out there. I don't know what. And I told her, I just told her, honey, listen, the algorithms of all this, it's done to make money. Every time you view one, that person gets 10 cents or whatever. They do this dramatic, intense stuff to, to get you to watch it more and share it. Because when you share it, if you share it with your friends, well, that's 10 cents, 10 cents. 10, and you'd be surprised how much 500,000 10 cents will get you going. And now you are an influencer. I mean, you're not but 16-year-old, but God bless you, you can influence the world. I mean, you're so filled with life experience. My daughter, she also says to me, she says, Dad, could I, could I be president? I was like, well, yeah, I mean, anybody can be president if they want. I don't know how you go about that, but it's pretty hard work. And I'm sure, given today's culture, be prepared for them to lie about everything in the world about you. And she goes, well, I... What's the requirements? I said, well, I don't know. You need to Google that, you know. So I said, I know you got to be a certain age. So now we go back and forth cutting up about a lot of stuff, okay? So she didn't mean that she's being silly. She goes, that's ageism. I said, oh, my gosh, you're so goofy. She's being silly. She's not being serious, okay? So she gets on there, looks it up, and decides she's going to apply anyway. She's not even 18. She can't even vote for a president, let alone be one. But she did it just to see what would happen. And uh, so anyway, she said she's going to try again later. So we have interesting conversations. 
I, I say that because I've had to tell her numerous times, you need to be careful who is really influencing your life. Uh, because a lot of the stuff you see and hear about, this stuff that moves you and gets you going, and uh, alligator clamps and whatever, uh, it's money. That stuff is algorithm generated. And, you know, running into a deer in the back of technology doesn't get people to watch your video. But like, oh my gosh, they put, you know, arsenic is in Quaker Oats. Did you hear? All of a sudden, that'll move you because it's, that's what sells videos. And so as I'm telling this, I was thinking about this scripture, and I was just thinking how many times these folks followed the miracles. They followed the signs so much so because he fed them with a miracle. They were going to, watch this, by force. How do you, by force, they were going to make him their king because they were so moved by a miracle. Now, I say that because, look, I'm all about, I thank God for miracles. I, you know, I love it when people have miracles and healings and, and, and God moving in their lives. Thank God for that. But however, there's another side to it where your scriptures will tell you that be careful that you don't just follow the miracles because even the devil can show up as an angel of light. And there will be people in the latter days that will have false signs and wonders. Watch this. That means they're actually doing stuff. Simon the sorcerer could do stuff. It wasn't fake. It wasn't like Harry Houdini trying to get out of a locked, you know, chest under water. He was moving stuff. The guys that were working for Pharaoh, when Moses came in and God said, hey, throw down your staff, I'll turn into a snake. The magicians that worked for Pharaoh were doing some of the same stuff until God finally you know, said, okay, all right, I'm going to let you see their stuff is going on, but it's, it's of the devil. But watch this, eventually, boom, boom, boom. Now, you can't compete with this. Uh, y'all, are y'all paying attention, right? Be careful what you're following. Be careful that you don't seek a sign. As Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No other sign is going to be given except this. As the prophet Jonah was in the belly of the well three days, three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth three days, three nights. The resurrection is your proof. It isn't a miracle. Now, I come out of a charismatic, you know, church background with many, many, you know, examples of miracle signs. I've seen a lot of different things. But I'm just telling you, much of what people do, if they're not careful, it begins to get more about the miracle than it does about the resurrection. And, I mean, I, we would have people say miracles are the dinner bell for the gospel. I'm just it's not. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that that is the requirement to get people to be born again. If you want to be born again, he says, believe. Understand that you are a sinner and you must be born again. That's why you can't be willy-nilly about the gospel and make excuses for people when they're wrong. And act like, well, it don't matter. Well, it's okay. Love everybody. Give them grace. Get, well, yeah. But I'm sorry. They didn't give me grace. When I was in sin, thank God, somebody said, you need to be born again. They didn't say, well, it's okay. I mean, Jesus loves you. Well, of course he loves you. But he paid an ultimate price, not for us to sit around and just kind of cover our sin under the rug. It's okay. He's, the resurrection is the thing we build our faith on. It is not a miracle. Those things come and go. And I say that because these folks were going to make him the king because of a miracle. And I find it interesting that Maybe it's because he was in his hometown. He has Philip. I know he was testing, but but maybe Philip knew the better places to get bread. I don't know what, why why Jesus singled him out to test him. But it says he knew what he was going to do, and he wanted to test 
Philip. I think sometimes we forget that God already knows what he wants to do. Like, man, I, I, I forget this sometimes. Maybe you don't. Maybe you got your stuff together. But sometimes for me, like, man, I love Jesus, but I forget sometimes God's in control. Like, you ever want to help him out some? Give him some suggestions? I got a few. Like, I, you know, can I text you, Lord? I got some things that, you know, you should really do this, change this, fix that. You know, I mean, I got suggestions for him. I don't mind telling you I do. I love him. But I think I sometimes could help him. I'm sorry, but I do. In a loving, gracious, non-blasphemous way, I am sometimes my flesh gets the better of me and says, you know what? You think better than he does. Now, if I'm low in the room, that's fine. Confessions of a pastor day. Okay, no problem. But I, he really does know what he's doing. When he flung the planets into the sky and the universes, and now we hear these, you know, these movies about the multiverse and all this kind of stuff, the Lord is the creator of all. Like, you think we've done something... He flung so much into space, every so often we find something else he's done. And I think he just keeps going, "Uh uh-huh. It's like those magicians in in Egypt that could make the snake out of the staff and do that stuff. He's like, yep, yep. Wait till you see what else I can do. You have not seen anything yet. But if you've ever been in a situation like Philip, you sometimes forget he knows what he's going to do. He really does. And, And as much as God is always working, and we know this from experiencing God, God's always at work. He's asking us to join him. He really does want you to join him in partnership. So let me give a couple of scriptures and, and we'll keep going. But in 1 Corinthians 3, and I'll put this on the screen for you. Just hold your place there in John. Uh, but we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 9. God's fellow worker, I'll put this on so you can read it because I don't know what translation you have, but it, many times it says fellow worker or a fellow or a work fellow. <laughs> kind of, it's a work fellow, fellow working. But it, it means this. It means a co-laborer. A companion in labor, a fellow, a helper, labor together with. Work fellow means he's, you're coming alongside. You're working together. You're partners. You're not, it's not one by himself and you're by yourself. And man, I tell you what, as Philip thought, here's what he thought. There's not enough, we don't have enough money to feed all these people. And there's enough bread to feed all these people. What am I supposed to do? And Jesus is looking at him like, I know what to do. I'm going to do it. I just want to see if you knew I knew what I was going to do. Like, if you would just trust me in this. Now, I don't, maybe you don't fall into a category of Philip, but I do sometimes. I'm sorry, but I do. Every now and then I go like, well, I, you know, I don't know how you're going to do that, but I was like, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to see if you think you know that I know what I'm going to do. Mark 16, 20, watch this. This is a good illustration of this. Now, going back to signs and wonders are real, it, but just make sure they're Christian based. Can I just um, sidetrack, you know, maybe one of those days, okay? I ain't going to take much. I got seven minutes. I'll be done. Can, can we just all get on the same page as Christians? Like, there is a section of stuff that's out there that is not real. Like, you know, there's a whole section you go to Barnes & Noble now that starts from tarot cards, which I thought for a I thought. This is something that everyone should just know, but I'm taking for granted now things that people should know. Tarot cards, you don't need to mess with this stuff. You don't need to mess with the crystal stuff. And I ain't talking about crystal meth. That should be a given. Lord have mercy. Please tell me we know that. But these little things, if you got this stuff, can I just, I'm going to be real with you right now. If you got this stuff in your house, I don't know, no one's told me, but I just feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit. If you've got this stuff in your house, you better go home and get it out right now. Don't put it in your trash can. Put it in the trash and take it off today. Get it off your property. 
That junk is of the devil. And I'm telling you right now, if you got it in your house, and you say, well, I, I don't know if it is or not. If it's not the Lord, if it's not Jesus, if it's not Christianity, if it's any kind of mysticism, half-baked, philosophical, third-world ideas of like, who's this and this, shaman man or whatever, get it out of your house. And if you don't, you're opening up stuff. That you, you heard of Pandora's box? <laughs> well, you open up a box you don't want to mess with. It'll mess with your family. So that's as I know. I don't know why, but obviously, maybe I need to say that. If you're watching online, you're in that stuff, you better get it out. So anyway, Mark 16, 20. So they went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord, watched this. What did the Lord do? He did all the work. God did everything. The disciples just kind of hung out, went fishing. No, they went out and they preached the gospel. They preached the gospel and the Lord worked with them partnership and he confirmed his word by signs that followed now here's the thing blueprint very quickly what did they go out and do first they preached the word the bible the word of god first and as they preached things took place and when it took place the lord worked with them watch this he confirmed his word by signs, wonders, and miracles. Does everybody see the pattern? It's always the preaching. This is why when you go overseas and you do stuff and like, man, when Steve Holsinger and I went over to Sudan and visited some stuff there, you, you can't go in there trying to be cool little, you know, like miracle working stuff. Because you know why? Because they got the voodoo man over there. And he can work some stuff too. And they're better at their stuff than, you know, we think we are sometimes. And you, if you try to compete with miracles versus miracles, you might lose. Because God's not trying to prove himself out with miracles. He proves himself out by his word first. He, he's bound by his word. Preach the gospel. Preach the truth. Hold fast to the truth. And if he wants to do a miracle, then so be it. But don't leave the word trying to make something happen because somebody else there is doing something. So, you know, stay with the word. And God's always partnering with us in what we're doing. If you think about this, Adam. God partnered with Adam in the, not just naming of all the animals and different things like that, the, the taking care of the planet, the establishment of order in the planet with Moses. Why did God use Moses? I mean, he wasn't the best speaker in town, but he used him and said, go deliver my people. I mean, Moses killed a guy. And God used him to go deliver his people. You think about Joseph. He, Joseph was a spoiled brat. No, in the, in the Old Testament in Genesis, he was a spoiled brat. And he knew it. He had the fanciest clothes in the family. And he knew it. He's like, what's up? You know, I'm like, Instagram, whatever. That's what he was doing. And Joseph was used by God to feed the known world at that time. Mary, the mother of God, in a sense, in the most respectful way to say that, was trusted to birth Jesus Christ into this world. You talking about partnership with people? What about Peter? This loud mouth, stick his foot in his mouth more times than you can count. Denied the Lord three times at the fire, cussed a little kid out at the fire pit <laughs> for good measure. And God used him to ignite a movement in this church that has transformed the whole world. He's always used people, and I'm telling you, there's you and I, and sometimes I think we forget he wants to use you too. But I might be, if you're like me, I think sometimes, 
well, that's great for all that, but I'm not delivering God's people out of you know, Egypt. I'm not in some of these things. I'm not feeding the whole world. I don't have that mantle on my life. You know, what about, he wants to work with you, not just in those things, but what about with your kids? I can't tell you how many times I've heard parents say this. The Holy Spirit told me, and so I talked to my kids. The Holy Spirit. What's to help you with your family? Help you with your spouse? Again, like I said last week, it takes two to tango. Can't, you can't tango with just you. They don't want to tango, then you got to deal with stuff. But he wants to help you. He wants to work in your merits. He wants to help you with your family. And I'm just telling you, um, if your job is tough, he wants to help you on your job. He wants to help you. With all, there's many, many things that he wants to help you with. But if we're too busy over here going like, well, I don't know how you can do this because I don't have enough. I don't know how this is going to take place because I can't do this, so it must not going to happen. They were in this, basically like Philip sitting on the mountaintop looking at all these people. What are we going to do? And God is saying, well, I know what I'm going to do. Like, I, I already know what I got planned. It might just be a test to see if you and I will believe him and trust him for what he actually is wanting to do. And can I encourage you with this, that God, I think he really wants to work with all of us, but it's so easy to forget about this, that God's doing things. I mean, you think about the mother of Moses. What if she had been so afraid? I mean, what if she hadn't been fearless? Like, I ain't talking about the Taylor Swift song either. Like, what if she hadn't been fearless? Like, straight up, who takes their baby in their right mind and makes a little basket out of pitch and tar and trust that's going to float down the Nile with alligators, you know, with a real alligator, you know, clamp, that, there you go. This woman, because she had no other options, she trusted that God would, and, and he did. Now, we're not taking any babies in baskets, so like you keep them. But <clears throat> what about Hannah? Trusted Samuel in, in, in the instruction of the priesthood because she made a, a commitment to God with a priest that was not, the top ten of all of Israel. Elon was not the example of the priesthood. Can we all agree? I mean, he was a wicked dude. Terrible parent. Ridiculous. Let his kids get with anything. He was just not a good, not the best. But she trusted God in the process. And what about this little boy here? He's the only guy that came prepared. You ever thought about that? Like, did they look around the whole thing? And look, look around the mountainside, hillside. Everybody's cushioned on the grass. They're comfortable. Kick back. I don't know. And the only person that thought, we're going to be out here on the backside of this hilltop, no one thought to bring snacks except this little boy. Like, I guess he stopped by Long John Silver's, I don't know what he did, but picks up a two-piece, kind of like some fish, some bread. I mean, can you imagine here, here he is sitting there, he came prepared. Now here comes, you know, the disciples. What do you got? Huh? What do you got? Now, if you know little boys, I mean, first of all, I'd be like, nothing. Wouldn't you? Like, now I heard about stuff he does with fish and stuff like that. Like, what do you want? <laughs> like, well, you got nothing. No, really, what you got there? I mean, I just got a piece of bread. <laughs> I'd be like, slowly, you know, if it had been Piper, she'd have been like, well, I got, you know, bread and fish, and it's going to cost you. Like, she would have done it. I mean, it <laughs> she's like a little entrepreneur. She sells everything. <laughs> it's ridiculous. At least she set up Papa. She, she's hitting him up every day for rocks. She's selling him rocks left and right, man. She's pretty creative. 
But I'm thinking about these boys here. If, if, he, if this, kid, this kid did not have anything, he didn't come prepared, there is nothing else that's going to be there available for these disciples to have to bring to Jesus. And here's what my, I wanted to kind of... You to hear this whole moment here with Philip and the rest of Sarah about trusting that God knows what he's doing. But there's also a partnership. And this little boy came prepared. No one else did. And sometimes I think it, it, it's either one or two things we fall into. Maybe it's me. It's me, maybe. Either A, I feel like, well, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. Figure it out. Or, well, God, it's on you. You know, you better fix this. <laughs> you have her parents. Oh, you got to fix that kid because I can't, you know, you got to fix my husband because I, I don't know what's wrong with her. You better fix her. Well, it's not just all God and it's not just all you. It, we're working together with God. And when we have to remember the things of the Lord, he's given us promises. And sometimes this is easier to remember than the other things. But like, I just put it on the screen real quick for you. But Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. And what's the first? He says, and forget not any of his benefits. Why would he say that? Because we forget him all the time. He pardons all of your iniquities. He heals all of your diseases, redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Man, if you're older, that ought to be on your fridge right there. That's awesome. He renews your strength. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Love that. Whenever I hear my knee pop, I go, no, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. My youth is being renewed like the eagle. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. But it's easier to remember some of this stuff, but it's tougher to engage in memories that are in the past. And so in Deuteronomy 4, 9, it says this, only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have been seen, your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. But guys, watch this. Make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remember the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. Now, for you, maybe it's not you weren't there, but you remember something else. You remember the day the Lord saved you. You remember the day the Lord forgave you. And you tell your kids that, you tell your grandkids that. It says, assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. You know, it's so easy sometimes to forget that our job in following God is not just for us personally. We have a responsibility, and it's to teach our kids, our grandkids, to instruct them in the way of the Lord. It's important. Because if you don't, let me tell you, if you don't, no one else is going to. And, and as much as I love, look, I was over there, I checked in Piper, Haley's singing some now, and so <clears throat> I was checking in Piper at a kid's church. As much as I love what we do, and we do, they fantastic. Our guys, are, they do a great job. And as much as I love it, I went over there, and my kid leaves. First moment she gets here, right into the store. She's saving up her stuff. She's looking at what she's going to get. You know, she wants to buy something in that little store. You know, she loves it. If you haven't seen it, it's, just, it's really cool what they're doing with kids. Really great things. And I'm walking in, and there's bubbles everywhere outside when you come out. This is so awesome. Like, I want bubbles when I come into church. This is great. And the kids are in there just having a good time. They're so excited. And as great as they do, do you understand, they probably get 30 to 35 minutes of instruction from us here. By the time it's all boiled down to everything that we do, because you understand, check-in time, we don't start until probably 
after everybody gets here. Because then it disrupts the classroom. It's really hard to get attention back. So then we, we lead into a moment of serious work. And then we probably get about 30, 35 minutes of instruction. And then we lead back out into letting them have fun and, and enjoy themselves. Because you ought to have fun at church. You'll learn about God, but you ought to have fun too. But 35 minutes, guys, the rest of the time, what are they learning? And you don't got to break your Bible out and sit there and read them. You know, John, let's talk today about Lazarus. Now, y'all sit there and listen to the Bible. That, that's ridiculous. God never told you to do it that way. He said, as you go, you teach them. It's like great opportunities, man, where you're going down the road and they're, you know, chatty Kathy going on. I'm driving, listening. Uh-huh. 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 Wow. You ready for me to say something? <laughs> okay. You get a moment there, right? You get a moment to tell them something. As you go, you teach them, you share with them, you show them, and you give them instruction. And why is this so important? Because you look back to actually lead forward. And it bothers me. I'll put this on the screen so you can remember this. You look back to lead forward. The thing, this is one of my favorite quotes, the thing that we learn about history is this. We don't learn about history. We are terrible when it comes to learning about history. We forget things because we don't even know. Now we're doing the same things we're doing here that we have done in civilizations before and we don't even see it. Don't even see it. People are just oblivious to it. They say, oh no, it's just cultural wars. You're just getting, no, it's not. Every civilization that went down the road that we're going, they finally hit their end of the road. And it's all tied together. Cultural things, morality, monetary policies. It, every bit of that, go back and look at the Romans. Go back and look at Greece. Go back and look at Egypt. Go back and read any of them you want to read and see if it's not what the same thing took place. So it's important. You look back if you're going to lead forward. Now, this is the last thing I want to share with you, and then this is what he told Philip. And this is John 14. So I'm going to read this to you, and then and, and we're done. But there's a couple of verses of Scripture, John 14. This is what Jesus told. Think about what Jesus tells Philip right here. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a context first, and then, and then we'll read about you know, Philip here. Um, so John 14, 1, this is where they're asking him different questions. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said this, don't let your heart be troubled. Can I just encourage you today? I know there's enough for us all to worry a hundred times over about. There really is, I know. But in the grand scheme of life, you can only do what you can do, and you can pray. And, and I know there's enough to worry about out there. It's there, believe me. But at some point, it gets a bit too much. Like, I got enough to deal with. I can't be worrying about everybody else's junk. So at some point, you just have to pick your things that you're going to trust the Lord here. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I, wouldn't, I would have told you. So Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may also be. And you know the way we're going or where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him 
and have seen him. Now, this sounds like a tongue twister, but just hang in there with him. Go back and read it again this week. Verse 8, Philip said to him. Now, Thomas, I don't think, was in the inner circle. He's one of the 12, but I think he's on the outside. You know what I'm saying? He might be in number 11. And that ain't good because Judas being 12, you kind of need to get back a little further. But Philip is on the inside. Thomas, Jesus probably went like, you know, this cat. But now Philip, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? Now, can I ask you a question? Is this Jesus speaking to Philip? Or you think it's God the Father speaking through Jesus to Philip? Because it sounds to me like when it comes through, he's saying, have I been with you so long and you, you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me, Philip, has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? For the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Now, he was referring to not things that just anybody could do. Jesus, as the Messiah, was opening the the blind eye. That was something reserved for Messiah. No one else had been opened. Jesus opened the blind eyes. And other things too, but that's just one of them. He says to him, uh, believe on the works themselves. Verse 12, for truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 16, watch this. I will ask the Father, Philip, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. And that is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Philip, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. And in that day, Philip, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and disclose myself to him. I read that to you because Jesus was painting a picture very clearly that says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you want to know what God's like, all you got is read red. He's not changed his position at all. If you want to know what the father's like, just read the words in red. And Philip, how could you be with me this long? And not know him. It's amazing how sometimes we forget that the Father is with us because he's giving you his Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how many times we probably have thought this, well, man, I just feel all alone today. But you're not. Why do you feel alone? Well, because you don't know what I'm dealing with. Yeah, but you're not alone. See, no matter what we say of what we're dealing with or going through right now, if this is true and we believe it's true, If you believe in the resurrection, you believe this is true, then he's with you. The only reason you're feeling that way right now is because you forgot he's with you. 
Man, it's so easy to do. You go through enough stuff, you get enough things hit you. You think about Job and what he went through, you get enough stuff coming at you. Man, you start forgetting that God's with you. And God never promised everything to be just perfect all the time. He did promise, though, he'll never leave you or forsake you. And the Holy Spirit is leading you into truth, and he bears witness with this. And there's nothing wrong with checking this out. Is this the Holy Spirit? Because if it's the Holy Spirit, he's going to always lead you to Jesus, and Jesus is going to always lead you to the Father. They're all in complete agreement. But it's the most important thing to understand what Jesus told Philip is this. You know me. I've been with you all this time. How do you not know the Father? You, you know me. And I'm here because I only do what he says do. And I only say what he says say. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, but that was great, but I didn't have Jesus. No. But based on what he just told Philip, you got it better. Well, that's hard to comprehend. You got it better because you have the Holy Spirit. If Jesus was here right now, I'm going to ask you to just consider something right now. If he was here right now, he pulled him up a chair and he sat right here on this platform. And he said, you know what? I'm going to take each one of you one at a time. And whatever you want to ask me and whatever you want to talk about. We'll do. For as long as you want, I'll be here. And just say he gave a randomized number and just said, we'll start with birthday, birthday of whatever and work our way through. How long do you think it'd be before you got your turn? Like, I mean, I hope I go first because, I mean, some of y'all got a lot of questions. I got a few kids that have a lot of questions and, you know, I mean, wow, that's a lot of questions. How did you come up with that? I mean, he's, I'll be with you as long as you want. I'll talk to you. I'll stay right here. Let's say move it beyond our church now. Let's say every other Christian in Rome, Georgia, Floyd County gets the same opportunity. They got to come here. He's going to be on this platform. They got to come here. Randomize the numbers, you get in line, just whenever. But he's going to take as long as he wants until the person's satisfied. How long before you get to see him? Now, being that it's Jesus, you can't stop there because he was willing to open up his, his life and talk to those who are without Christ. He's going to hang out with people that no one else wanted to hang out with. He's going to talk to people that no one else wanted to talk to. So you've got to let every of those people in too. But we're just talking about in our county, 100,000 people, how long before you get your chance? And then start adding that up and going to the state, to the southeast, to the nation. Now throw in the world. You would never, more than likely, get a chance to talk to him. Because people are going to take all... Who, if it was Jesus, my goodness, I'd stay there as long as I could. No wonder people were hungry and didn't have anything to eat because they just stayed there. He had the words of life. They didn't want to leave. So Jesus gave you the best thing possible, and that was his spirit. He just needs you to believe that he's with you 
And you're not alone. He really is in control. He really knows what he wants to do. We got to trust him in this and know that he's got a plan. So just right where you are right this here this morning, I, I just want you to close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you and bow your head just for a moment. And I just want to encourage you right now if you're here and you say, hey, Pastor Jody, I'm sitting here and, man, I got stuff going on. I got things happening in my life. And I got things that I just wonder if the Lord's still with me and because it doesn't feel like it, to be honest with you. It feels kind of like he's kind of checked out of my life. Just right where you are, I want to pray for you. I'll pray for you for salvation in just a moment. I just feel like just want to pray for those of you here. You, you feel like he's just not there. Maybe you don't, I don't know, get the warm, fuzzy feeling anymore. Or maybe it's just you feel dry. Maybe you feel like he's just, something's missing. I don't know what it is. But Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, you see the people in this room that they love you, they care for you. They're asking questions, Lord. They're seeking you. But if truth be told, they may be asking the same questions that Philip did. As, Lord, if you've got these things going on for my life, you just show me. And that'll be enough, God. If you just show me. Lord, I just pray you remind every one of us in this room today that <clears throat> we have your Holy Spirit. You never left us, you never forsaken us, God, that you're here right now moving in our lives. And God, help us to remember that you walk with us every single day that your precious Holy Spirit is in our lives. And if we'll just listen to you, open up our ears spiritually, open up our hearts spiritually, listen, trust in the voice of the Holy Spirit, listen to what you're saying, God, we'd hear you again. I thank you, Lord, for those that might feel lost, that might feel like things have just not gone their way. Just thank you, Lord, that you give them strength and comfort during this season. I pray that you give them a boldness to be able to come through it, Lord, to overcome And in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for strengthening their heart, their walk. And God, I pray you give them people around their lives to encourage them, to strengthen them in the the way in which they should be going. And Lord, I pray for those that might be here that they don't know you. Maybe they're watching on broadcast right now that they don't know Christ. Maybe you're in this room, you just don't know Jesus. You say, I just, I I don't think I'm a Christian. I want to pray for you right now. The whole church, I pray with you. You won't be by yourself. But if that's you, you say, Pastor Jody, would you please pray for me? I, I need to be saved. I need to receive Jesus as my Savior. I want you to pray this prayer with me. The scripture says this, that if a man believes in his heart, or a woman believes in their heart, confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you shall be saved. It's a very simple prayer. But we're going to pray with you right now. If that's you, and you say, I believe Jesus is Lord, but I've never accepted Christ. I want you to pray this right now with all of us in this room. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I ask you, to save me. I believe that you're the son of God resurrected from the dead to forgive my sins and to set me free. And today I accept you as my savior in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right church. We give him a hand real quick. Awesome. 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 And so, Hey man, listen on, on our Website, there's something called connect.cornerstonerome.com or in the seat back in front of you. You can fill this out either way. But if you're a guest with us, we'd love to get to know you. You can fill that out. We'd love to send you some information about the church and some things that might help you in, in your walk. If you're a new believer or trying to walk with God and need some help in some spiritual things, 
if you just take the time to fill it out for us, you can do it online or in the seat back in front of you, drop it off in the offering boxes on your way out the door, and we'd love to help you uh, get started with that. And then before we go, um, Gary, are you closing out or me? Yeah? Okay. I didn't know. <laughs> Y'all welcome Gary up to the platform today. <laughs> I didn't know. I was thinking, where's it Gary? Thank you, man. Yeah, brother. Uh, hey, if you guys would stand here before we go. Um, thank you for that message. I love that part about Philip. Our son was named Philip. And when they talked about it, Philip said, come and see. You know, that's what we have to do. And there's folks that we have in our life or that, that we come across and they don't understand or they don't know Jesus. Just tell them, come and see. Come and see what he has for you. It's as simple as that. Our prayer partners are going to come up front now, invite you up here. If after service you'd like one of these folks to pray with you, especially if this is the very first time that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come up and tell one of these folks as well. Or anything else in your life, they'd love to pray with you as well. Um, just want to remind you of a few things. We thank you for your generosity. Uh, if this is your home church, uh, we appreciate you supporting it financially. There's a lot of different ways you can do. Give online. There's offering boxes in the back of the of the auditorium here, and you can text to give as well. As always, we're going to send you out with a blessing out of Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. God bless you. Enjoy this weekend, and just remember... Thank you. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.